following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. This is Ugly Phil. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Hey, Gazzo, get in here for a second. I'll ask you something. Come in here. Jump in over there. It's always while I'm eating dinner, isn't it? Yeah, I know. You shouldn't eat dinner outside the studio (laughs) when I've got a question. Now, listen, you like men who are rough trade. That's why I wanted to ask the question of you. Here we go. What do you want to ask? I was on the train and there was this man and he was incredibly hairy. Uh, and he had a beard, sort of a low-cut T-shirt, so I could see his hairy chest. I mean, this guy was, you know how Robin Williams, that kind of hairy? He was right. super hairy, like hair sprouting out of his head and his ears and his nose and his chest and his arms, and I imagine probably his legs as well. Are really hairy men appealing to women? No. Well, you see, I've barely got any hair on me at all. I've got this weird thing where it doesn't grow on my head, but it comes out of my ears a lot. But, you know, I don't have any hair on my chest or anything like that. And I just wondered, if I was a woman, whether I would be more attracted to a guy with lots of hair or a guy with no hair. You know in, what uh, in gay circles, Phil, they're called bears. Maybe he's trying to attract men of the same sex. But what about from a heterosexual point of view? I've you... never liked a beard. I don't think a beard is attractive. No, but what about I, yeah, yeah, the whole body, the whole I chest? Dis- and... I dislike hairiness of any kind okay. on any part of the body apart from where it's supposed to be. Uh, where would that be? Well, you know, the nether regions, you know, hair there. Okay. <laughs> Netherlands. You, can go, you, go, been you there. go, okay, you're supposed to have hair there. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, but on the chest, on the back, yeah. uh, you know, carpet, rug, where the gold chains go. You know, all nah. the expressions. All right, I'll ask Sammy X as well, and I'll open up the phones on this, one triple three five three. Do you think that Gazzo's being harassed? <laughs> or are you with me? Are you smooth from the Kissing waist up? Kissing a mouthful of hair, of moustache and beard, is the most disgusting yeah, thing in the world. I could imagine that, yeah. It's a no-go area. I'm seeing some thumbs down from some of the girls outside where you are as well. I don't like a beard. I do like long hair on a man and I do like a bit of chest hair but that's it. Chest hair? Yeah but not back hair. Okay. Are you a hairy guy and has it helped you out? And also women do you like really hairy guys or like me are you just kind of a bit weirded out by it? So I wanted to know whether or not women are attracted to extremely hairy men. I've got a few on the phone. Hey, Nigel. How you going, Phil? Are you a hairy man? I have uh, been growing a beard for the past eight months, yep. and uh, all the girls through work and everybody think it's great, except my mother. Girlfriend thinks it's great, especially okay. considering partly grey. Well, you see, I've never kissed a man with a beard. I mean, I've kissed a few in jail, but that was only to get some cigarettes. She thinks it's tops. And are you a fairly <laughs> astute guy? Oh, sort of-ish, yes, yeah. maybe. I find it weird that women would be attracted to a guy with masses of body hair. I don't know about the body hair part, but um, no, the beard, I knew a bloke who uh, would have been uh, passed for a werewolf and it was rather... Yeah. But uh, don't get me, don't see very many what you call body hair uh, blokes anymore, I'll say that for sure, but uh, beards are sort of, I think it's... Uh, a lot of women take it or leave it, but from uh, what I've noticed in the past year, it's, uh, no, everybody thought, no, nah, looks better. Hey, Ross! Hey, Phil! Hey, Gal! Are you a hairy man? I'm a little bit hairy, over contrary, but not overly. Right, whereabouts? On the front, on the back, down the backside? Uh, no, no, no. Um, basically, a little bit of a mat on the chest, but not thick. Right, and how are the women reacting to this? 
I've never had a complaint yet. I've got a bogan moustache. Do you wax mm. that? No, I don't need to. I use the girls for that. Any women said to you in the past, could you just, you know, mow it back a bit? Oh, yes. I've, I've had girls do it for me. Really? Mm, one lady wanted me to shave the nether regions. I said that for her too. Yeah, apparently that gives you the optical inch, though. Well, I don't think so. Well, those of us that have a small penis believe that to be true. <laughs> Hello, Chris. How you going, mate? Are you a hairy man? I do have a fair bit of hair. Okay, and how are the women reacting to that? Um, I reckon it's about 50-50. They don't really like it too much. Um, my girlfriend keeps telling me to shave. Really? It off and, what, um, on the beard? Yes, yeah. Right. Okay, what about the rest of you? Does she have an issue with a hairy back, a hairy chest? Uh, I'm not really that, that... I've got a bit of hair on my chest, but um, it's just mainly crazy sprouting out of my face. Yeah. Did you say to her, listen, it's McFoyles or it's McGoyles? You either like it or you leave? Well, yeah, pretty much. And then she said, okay, then I'll leave. And you went, I'll shave it off, honey! <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to shave it. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Jason, the listener to the Triple M Rubber Room, has just arrived. We're sitting him in the other studio. He's sitting in front of a button that's got a sign that says, Press Me, and he's going to find out what that's all about in a sec. Who's that? That's Ryan right here, filthy. How was Buddha last night at your place? No, he was at his place. He said to me, when you weren't listening, that you came over, you said, I'll come over and I'll bring beer, and when you got there, you didn't have any. He's full of shit. Where are you tonight? Uh, well, I'm just with my carer and coffee, the taxi driver. She's doing shopping for me. You getting some beer? Oh, yeah, I got me beer. <laughs> Sit back and enjoy some rock. I am, brother. Speak like an idiot. Do you? It's all about me. Is it? Uh, I was assaulted. Were you? We're brilliant broadcasters. Are we? You are out of your mind. Am I? That sounds real good. Does it? I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Am I? <sighs> this is Ugly Phil. Is it? The Rubber Room. Triple M. So last night, we asked if there were any new fathers or expectant fathers listening, and Jason rang up, and he's in here at the moment in the other studio with his headphones on and no idea what's about to happen. Can you hear me in there? I can. How are you, Phil? Good, mate. Thanks for coming in. So you've been married for how long? 18 months. And what's your wife's name? Sharon. And you've got some good news on the way? Yeah, we've got a baby on the way. How long have you got? Um... about a month now, I think. A month to go. Yeah. Right. Are you all prepared? Not at all. No. Well, that's why we've got you in here for the yeah. Rubber Room's first father experience. Mm-hmm. If you look in front of you, can you see that camera? Yes, I can. Right, I can see you. So you can't take your headphones off okay. for the next hour. And for the next hour, this is what you're going to be listening to. Do you see that button in front of you that says, press me? Yep. Press that. <coughs> so oh, for the God. next hour, you're going to have the sound of a baby crying. <coughs> Just to get you ready for the baby experience. No. They don't all sound like that, do they? <laughs> How do you think you'll go? Hope mine doesn't sound like that. I think all babies cry like that. <laughs> so enjoy that. The first Father Robber Room experience will cross back to you. You've got to leave those headphones on, all right? Yeah, thanks a lot for that. Cheers. <laughs> Let's talk German engineering because Nick's on the phone, he's in Germany, and he's part of a company that have invented radioactive underpants to protect you down there. 
You got your nards, you got your balls, you got your grapes and your berries. You got your tackle and your stone, you got your lantern and your hairs. You got your hangers, you got your nads, you got your pubic bristle pads. Do your testicles feel okay? Hey Nick, so how good are they? So there's a radiation proof of 90% from all mobile phone radiation. And that effect comes from two different things. The one thing is the fabric that we use. So 20% of the boxer shorts are made out of silver. So this is to protect the gonads, if you don't mind me using a scientific expression, from radioactivity if you've got the mobile phone in your pocket. Yeah, what we learned is that latest studies uh, have shown that mobile phone radiation has a negative effect on the quality of the sperms. So the shorts are sure that the quality remains the same without interrupting or disturbing a normal uh, everyday life. I didn't realise that the mobile phone could be interfering with the shotgun from the wobbly dangly ones. It's a fact that scientists have been arguing a long time about. Most studies are kind of contradictive, but the latest studies, they show like kind of a tendency that there's a negative effect on the sperm quality or the speed of the sperm. I'm all about saving the juice from the two veg. Can you move around quite easily in the boxer shorts? So it's not wearing like a bulletproof vest. It's actually the same uh, comfort level as the normal shorts. Because it fairly padded up the front with the marbles? Yeah, there's no effect on your everyday life and you don't even feel it that you're wearing them. And what about ventilation for Ernie and Bert? We don't want them to sweat too much. Well, the fabric is a little bit thicker than uh, maybe a normal short. Kind of absorbed. Brilliant. Well, I'm all for protecting the hairy daddies. What's the name of the product and can we get it in Australia? The name is uh, Konjuwelen, which is a German word for crown jewels. Well, Uh, I didn't know you were going to just give things nicknames. I could have joined in. <laughs> you can go to www.cornuvian-underwear.com. I thank you and my kahunis thank you so much as well. Cheers. Uh, is this working? <laughs> Testy, testes. <laughs> testes. This is ugly, Phil. Triple M, the rubber room. Last night I asked if there were any new fathers wanted to come in and experience the new father experience, and Jason was straight away on the phone. He's in the other studio. He's probably regretting it now because he's got these headphones strapped to his head. We can watch him in the other studio via the camera, and he's got to listen to the sound of a baby crying for an hour without taking his headphones off. Let's hit this button. We'll be able to hear what he can hear. How's it going, Jason? It's a bit painful now. Yeah, you haven't taken your headphones off? No. Don't forget, you can't because I'm watching you through the camera yeah, here. So what have you learned about the sound of a baby crying? Is it good? Um, I've learned that it's very uh, trying. Mate, what's wrong? You don't sound like you're having a good time there. You're, in a, you're a new dad. Mm. Something to look forward to. kind of wish I'd changed my mind on the whole idea now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Go to triplem.com.au, you can see the stories for the 22nd anniversary of the death of Kurt Cobain and also Australia's biggest Nirvana fan. He's on the phone. Gotta talk to you, Darren. Also, you're the manager of the Brunswick Hotel, is that right? 
That's correct, yeah. And where's yeah, the collection? Uh, is it at the hotel? No, the collection's at home, safe and sound. Do you let so people that. come over and look at it one at a time? No, anyone's welcome to come and look at it. And what kind of stuff have you got in there? VHS tapes, books, magazines, hundreds of posters, a couple of gold records, first single, and uh, an Australian tour t-shirt. Was that the tour back in 92? Yeah, uh, Australian New Zealand tour. Do you know what? I had the poster of them appearing at the Coogee Bay Hotel, Selena's in Sydney, and I left it stupidly and it was a tour poster on the wall of a flat that I left once and I forgot it. Can you believe that? <laughs> oh, if I did something like that, I yeah. don't know what I'd think. What's your most prized possession? The Nevada first single. Now when you say single, is it on a 45? Yes. Right. Seven inch single. Have you played it ever? Uh, I played it once. Yeah. But um, it was very much to listen to. Had yeah. that, uh, that crackle that you like for records. Of course, yeah. Which single was that, by the way? Uh, the Love Buzz Big Cheese single on Bleach. It was on Bleach, they, right. They released it as a, as a single first and then it did uh, 2,000 pressings, I believe. Yeah. And where do you go to find a lot of the stuff? Um, just everywhere. No, anywhere online. What's your most prized possession of the whole lot? Probably the T-shirt, actually. Never even seen it before. What's the design on it? The Nevermind, too. I'll put the baby on the front. Right. And on the back, it's just got all the Australian cities and the, and the dates they played. I believe you've got a Kurt Cobain tattoo as well, haven't you? I do. I have a, a portrait of Kurt Cobain from the Rolling Stone cover on my forearm. Could you take a photo of that and send that to us? We could put it on our Rubber Room Facebook page. I could do that for you, absolutely. You're listening to the Rubber Room podcast. Find us on facebook.com forward slash MMM Rubber Room. Jason! Oh, yeah, mate. How's it going? Pretty horrible. So you've got a child, a boy, you think, coming in one month's time? Yeah, and I think you reckon it for me. <laughs> We're just trying to get you used to being a new dad. Bloody hell. You've been in there for, I don't know, over 30 minutes now. Yeah. Non-stop crying through the headphones. What have you learnt about being a new dad? I've learnt that I'm... Pretty much think you've destroyed the kid experience for me. <laughs> all right, hang in there, son. You've got about another 30 minutes to go, all right? Yeah, great. Don't take the headphones off. I won't. Butch! I had a little nice sweats last Thursday, but that was due to too many prawn cocktails in the studio with Slash. Right. Here they are. Nathaniel Reef and the night sweats. Applause. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm great. We had probably the most requested song from you last year. I think it started off with, can I have that song, can you get me a beer, you son of a bitch? And then <laughs> as the you know, as the weeks progressed, people would just ring up and go, son of a bitch, or give me a beer, which I think eventually ended up as bitch. People do that to us in the bar sometimes too. <laughs> Is that right? Or I've had people walk up and be like, that's that SOB. Hey, you SOB. I was like, <laughs> like, go f*** yourself. Yeah, you know? that's right. In fact, go f*** yourself is the next single, you know? It is, yeah. <laughs> it was one of the edits we did for radio. What was the story behind the song? Is it, was it a, a born out of a drunken and belligerent moment somewhere in a bar? I quit drinking once, and I had delirium tremors. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. It's for like uh, a little over a week, um, like hallucinations and all that kind of stuff. So I was just trying to make fun of that, yeah. make fun of myself. Well, you definitely gave us one of the best songs of last year. <laughs> Thank you again so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Rubber Room AU. Hey, buddy. Yeah, g'day, Phil. Mate, you've got about 15 minutes to go. You've been sitting in there for 45 minutes with your headphones on, listening to the sound of a baby crying. As a new dad, how are you enjoying the experience? Oh, mate. Come on. <laughs> Just, you can't do this to me. By the way, your wife Sharon rang. Uh, and she said she's very proud of you. Oh, God. Tell her uh, I've changed my mind. No, it's too late for that, man. Adoption? <laughs> Still going to cry.
Bloody hell. Ten minutes to go, Jason. <laughs> I don't know if you ever see those newspapers where if you're sometimes on a train and people advertise because they've seen other people on the train and they're trying to get their attention, so they put an ad in the classified section of the newspaper. Have you ever seen that? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I was in that once. Really? Yeah. What happened? I went to a music festival. I must have been 17 or 18. Yeah. And I was a bit of a goth at the time. Right. And I had a very distinctive T-shirt on. Yeah. And I went and got Kerrang! magazine yep. a couple of weeks later and someone was looking for me. Wow. And did you get back to them? I didn't straight away and then eventually I did. And what happened? He was he was quite nice, yeah. Nothing ever came of it. Was he a goth as well? He was a total goth, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. And the reason I ask is because I also have to just make a, a quick ad. Excuse me for a sec. Hello? Oh, hi, it's Phil here at Triple M. You've got that section in your newspaper where you can, um, if you see somebody on a train or whatever, you can leave details about you. Hopefully they'll read it and they'll contact you. Okay. You can do that? Yes. You got the 7.46pm train... Yep. At Barara Station. Yep. I was the gentleman dressed as Chewbacca. Right. You smiled at me when I scratched the fur ball behind my ear. Okay. This is a bit more. Go ahead. Would you like to catch up for coffee? Would you? Mm, yep. And tickle my belly. Mm, okay. Clive. Clive. Yeah. Okay. Could you put that on the end? I'm not sure how you'd spell it. That's my catchphrase. Okay, I'll do my best. I can smell the leather. <laughs> I can hear the whipping of the whips and the chains. We must be in none other than Ugly Phil's rubber room on Triple M. And this is Chris. And this is Scott. And this is Andy. And collectively, we, we are, are the, the living, living in. The living in. Sammy X is sitting outside the studio reading a penthouse magazine and holding up photos for me to look at of nude women. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. I was just surprised that it was here, Phil. Yeah. It hasn't stopped you looking at it from cover to cover and reading me some of the specials too. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> and in the meantime, Jason, who's a new dad, about to be, has been in the other studio since 8 o'clock with his headphones on. He can't take them off. And he's been listening non-stop to the sound of a baby crying to get him in the mood for a new dad. Hey, buddy. Bloody horrible. You've had the first father experience from the rubber room. You've been sitting in there for nearly an hour now, yeah. listening to the sound of a baby crying non-stop. You haven't been able to take your headphones off. Have you learnt anything? I've learnt that I don't like kids. <laughs> well, it's something for you to look forward to. Yeah, great. You know, wait till we get you back in tomorrow for the nappy-changing experience. Oh. Jesus Christ, sounds messy. Well done, mate. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, and now... Oh, God, thank God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, silence. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. No worries. Thanks, Phil. Hey, I was watching that Hulk Hogan story. He was filmed making love to another man's wife and then had to go to court and... I think there was like $120 million worth of penalties offered to him. Although he had to talk in court about how he didn't have a 10-inch penis. 
Although if I was in court and I was under oath, obviously I'd have to lie. But if I wasn't like, hey, yeah, 20 inches, baby, you know what I mean? But anyway, so the whole thing apparently is called hot wife syndrome, where guys like it if other men make love to their wife. And so I managed to find a proponent of the hot wife syndrome, and that's Daryl and his wife, and he's on the phone right now. How are you, buddy? Pretty good, thanks. Talk me through this. You like to watch men making love to your wife. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's what we're into. Um, my wife's name's Sharon, and um, it's just something we do. We, we find that it uh, takes a lot of trust, and it's good for our relationship. So do you join in? No, I don't. So I just watch. You know, it's all consensual and that with everyone involved, but uh, I film um, Sharon with uh, oh, you, you film the other her? guys. Yeah, I do. Are you in the room with the camera when this is happening, or do you film from another room? No, I'm, I'm in the room. Um, yep. You know, we, we usually, all of us have a drink, you know, with um, with the other gentlemen that, um, that come and make love to us, uh, Sharon. Uh, yeah. And are you married, by the way? Before. Did you say you were married? Yeah, we've been married for 16 years. And um, and how long have you been doing this for? About the last three years. And, and like I said, we, we usually start off, uh, you know, we'll have a drink together and, and discuss. I'll make it quite clear, you know, if they're going to make love with my wife, that you know, obviously I'm going to be there and... And uh, I'm going to film it, and Sharon and I, uh, we watch the movies back. Is it a sexual thing? Yeah, it's quite erotic to uh, to stand back and and take it in and, and think that's that's my wife. Do you ever get jealous? No, not at all. As I said, it's a lot of trust involved. I know that, that Sharon, uh, you know, she, uh, it, it's her and me together. And how did you decide upon this arrangement? We, are, we have a pretty open relationship. We went to a couple of those swingers clubs first oh, yeah. off. It was all a little bit too too structured and um, too much pressure. She wasn't that keen on me doing it with the other ladies either. Deep down, everybody's, you know, most people are pretty much the same. I'm quite lazy, so, you know, if Mrs Ugly wanted to be up for it, maybe she's even got me out of a bit of work. Maybe I would. Well, it's very interesting. <laughs> Thanks for shining some light on the hot wife syndrome, Daryl. Oh, it's uh, been my pleasure. Maybe you'd like to come around and have a drink with me and Sharon sometimes. So. You never know. Thanks for That'd the offer. Good. <laughs> Something you'd be into there, Sally? No, thank you. No. I'm sure if somebody actually filmed me making love with their wife, if it did get to, you know, the adult video store, the movie would definitely be on the comedy shelf. <laughs> Sad to hear about the death of the Toronto Mayor, Rob Ford, who uh, passed away. Known Rob Ford, known as the uh, boozing and crack-using mayor of Toronto. And of course, it's always sad when somebody passes away. But I really liked him too. He was very much a dysfunctional character. I guess a tainted politician. But I guess that's what drew a lot of people to him. But here's what I like. I don't know if you ever knew this about him, Sammy X. He used to ring up talkback radio stations when he was the topic. He would ring up as someone else and defend himself. That oh, okay. You? Was, was he under the influence when he was doing this? Possibly. Right, okay. Does that remind you of anybody else ringing up talkback it radio stations? It does remind me of someone, yeah. yeah. So here he is, uh, not as himself, ringing up a talkback radio station to defend himself as someone else. <laughs> no, I don't think he has to answer to any of that. He has personal problems. And by the way, by the way, if you think he can fire somebody because they have a personal problem with something like the substance abuse in a union or with a labor, you can't. No, but you. You know what? But the mayor's not. The mayor's not in a union. Uh, here's the thing. Nobody. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not nobody. Nobody's a, a union in there. Nobody's accused uh, the mayor of breaking the law on this show, or this station. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Breaking the law. Okay. Nobody's I accused just, him of that. Okay. First of all, let me get another one across to you. How do you know when you're being videotaped? Do you know? When do you? Well, okay. Uh, sorry. What was your name? This is Bill. Is this Rob Ford? Yeah. Okay, Bill. <laughs> 
Hold on, I'm serious. Hold on a second, Chris. Who am I talking to right now? That's a Ian. How many times have you been visited in the last week? The times that I've looked into the camera once. Oh, yeah, you looked at the camera once. How do you know what you do exactly? There's cameras everywhere. Okay, okay, so you're telling me that he goes around it and videotapes himself smoking crack. Rob, Mayor Ford, Mayor Ford, I know your voice. This is you, isn't it, Mayor Ford? (laughs) I love that. Karen's on the phone. She's written a book. She says that whoever you share a name with, for example, if your name was also Phil, you and I are exactly the same. What's your name? What's your name? Hey, Karen, so you say everybody in the world that shares a name is exactly the same? That's the absolute truth, yes. So is that Christian name or Christian and surname? It goes with the name, the first name, it goes with your last name, it goes with the middle name, absolutely. Once you start thinking about it, uh, you start talking about every Phil you've ever met in your life, they're very similar. You've got drive, all the Phil's out there. You want to do well in life, um, and you just don't stop. And you're never satisfied with whatever success you have. Wow. You always want better, you always want bigger, and you always are looking for opportunities. And you love put yourself in a situation so that opportunities are available to you. I mean, you're very alert. You're very aware at all times trying to just do better in life. Well, you were saying that. I was thinking of the Phil's that I knew, and there are similar. There's Phil Collins, of course, the drummer, uh, and we share a similar oh, hairline, funny. so there's that. There's Phil, who works here as the uh, apprentice, and uh, <laughs> by the look of him, he smoked a bit of dope in his time, so, you know, there's probably that as well. <laughs> So how did you come across the conclusion? Um, I've studied it extensively, like uh, for five years, extremely extensively. However, I became aware of it when I was three years old, and I was in nursery school, and I met this girl, and her name was Amy, and within three days of knowing her, she bit me. And I'm like, oh, stay away from Amy, you know, like, I don't want to mess with an Amy. Yeah, sure. And um, it wasn't that Amy, it was probably Amy. And to this day, don't mess with an Amy. Really? You're always going to win in a fight. Okay, so yeah. Amy's a dangerous name. What's the best named person to become friends with then? Peter. Peter's are great. They're, they're very generous with their friends. Suzanne loves to listen to her friends. She's great at listening. Um, there's tons of names. I mean, just tons. You tell me what your friends' names are, I'll tell you which one's uh, Moocher and which one's uh, friends. Do you want to throw some names at me? Will you take nicknames? I sure do. Okay. It works. What about Fitzy? Do I have to worry about him? <laughs> He's a lot of fun, okay? He does as he pleases, but he's a lot of fun. And you can't hang out with him every night, though, because you're getting in trouble with him. Right, yeah, that sounds like him. What about, here's one, Guy. What does that name conjure up? Okay, he's a nice, easygoing person, friendly, unassuming. He's the guy who's actually going to be a friend to you. He actually will help you. Who's someone whose name should be avoided at all costs, do you think, apart from Amy, who bites? <laughs> Well, Roger, Roger's got a temper. You know, you got to look out for Roger. Uh, Naomi, she's only, only into herself, so you got to make sure, you know, if your buddies with her, she comes first. You just have to make sure you, you know, just evaluate people and start seeing similarities between all the names. And Sammy X, the producer, is waving at me furiously and going, what about me? So, Samantha, what does that bring to light? I love her, first of all. She does everything right. Her parents love her. Her grandparents love her. Her neighbors love her. Her friends love her. Wonderful person. A real capable person. Breaking the name code. Define your name. Define your life. Oh, thank you, Phil. You're a lot of fun. I I really... Are you going to keep going higher and higher? You're going to own that station in no time. I think I've offended half the bosses here, but, you know... Hey, imagine if you were about to go out on a blind date with a girl called Amy, and just as she gets in the car, you're like, oh, do me a favour, don't bite me tonight, will you? 
Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter. You're hanging out in the rubber room with my friend, Ugly Phil, on Triple M. So, Michelle, the president of the Rubber Room Fan Club, is on the phone. How's the Twitter page going? Really good. We've hit 600 followers. Fantastic. Is the Pope following you? Because he's not following me. No, no, he's totally brushed me. What about Kobe Bryant? No, but Colt Chisel follows, so that's pretty good, right? Hello, Jimmy! <laughs> All right, I've got yeah. four stories. I need you to tell me which one we're going to do, okay? Okay. Shall we do the cat born with 12 extra toes? Shall we do oh. the 11-year-old that stole the cement mixer? Shall we do Ooh. the jewellery that fits in the gap in your thighs? Or should we do the hedgehog with alopecia? Oh, wow. Um, I want to know more about the cement truck Cement story. truck it is. Tell everybody where they can find <laughs> the official Rubber Room fan club page. It's triple M underscore Rubbersons. Right, here it is. On Saturday, an 11-year-old boy in Minnesota in the States took a full-sized cement truck for a spin. Three o'clock in the afternoon, authorities scrambled helicopters to try and track it down. Eventually, he rammed one cop car and then ended up at a dead-end road and then bailed. Which brings us to... Are you ready? Kid steals cement truck. The judge says... Lucky I don't give you some hard time. That was a good one. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I don't like it very much, but I'm sure you can do better. He claimed he was set up. Set up is good as well. I like it. Kid steals a cement truck. Yo, I know. There's going to be hundreds of them, right? What have you got? Mate, I reckon that guy had a barrel of fun, mate. A barrel of laughs. Barrel of laughs. Chris. Yes, mate. 11-year-old kid steals a cement truck. What's the punchline? I'm not a concrete. I'm a plumber, but I don't like how concrete has worked. They'll say, a form work, how's your form? Sorry, Jim. Adam! Did he get off or is he now a hardened criminal? Someone had to do it. <laughs> Chris, what have you got? You make me very agitated. But at least he was on the level. Very true. Ty! Didn't get any time, but did he get stuck with the vine? He's trying to cement some relationships, apparently. Uh, that's it. Tony! Mate, the evidence was concrete. The evidence was concrete. That's the best one yet. Unless Michael can do better. What have you got, Michael? Hey, has he got concrete evidence? Concrete evidence. Apparently, the trial date was set. Oh, okay. All right, there you go. We've got some punchlines out of there. What's the punchline? When I was a kid, I loved this next guest. Mr. Inappropriate, do the intro. When I was a young lad, I ran away from home to join the circus. But when I got there, the clown said, no thanks, we've already got a bearded lady. Here's Sherry Curry from The Runaways in the Rubber Room. My name is Sherry, and my life was ready for a change. We are choosing you to be a part of rock and roll history. The Runaways have the most chance of any group I've seen to tear this world apart. I'm good, thanks. When I saw the film, that was a very raw portrayal of what it was like, you know, warts and all. How close was that film to, you know, what actually happened? Well, you know, how do you take a couple of years of absolute craziness and put it into 90 minutes? It can't be done. I think Floria Sigismonte captured the 70s in that film just brilliantly. And, of course, Dakota Fanning is one of my favorite actresses of all time. Kristen and Michael Shannon, they just did a great job. I was really happy with it. I 
Of course, you know, there were so many stories that could have been told. I'm not going to complain because very few people ever get to have a movie made about them. Did you have any trepidation when you knew the film was going to be made? No. When Dakota came on board, I was absolutely shocked. I was so excited. And she was just a little girl. When I met her, she came to watch me do Cherry Bomb at the Roxy, and she was just this little girl. She was the same age as I was yeah. in The Runaways, and she was 15 when she started shooting The Runaways movie. And the craziness yeah. and, I guess, the hedonism that you were immersed in, you know, that would have been a heck of a lot for a 25-year-old to have dealt with at that stage of their lives, too, I imagine. Definitely, and we didn't have any parental supervision or anything yeah. out there. We, we were performing in over 21 clubs and bars and stuff at 16, 17, 18 years old, you know. So you couldn't have a drink there, but we could play there. So that's just <laughs> weird, right? Yeah. And you mentioned Michael Shannon as well, who I'm a massive fan of. I think he's a great actor. His portrayal of Kim Fowley was excellent as well. Kim was an interesting character. He was. And I am just so blessed that I was able to make a record with him before he died. And also to be able to come to terms with all the ghosts that haunted me over the last four decades and to talk to him about it. And I learned so much from Kim and why he was the way he was. And of course, me being a parent now, I completely understood. But when you're a young kid, you know, you don't understand. You just don't. What a great band as well. When you look at, you know, the caliber of the people that were playing in it uh, yourself, Lita Ford, who went on to carve a fantastic career, and still does, and Joan Jett as well. Yes, truly great musicians. I always knew Joan was going to go far. Did but, you have a period um, where you yeah. didn't talk to each other? Yes, we didn't talk for probably 20 years. Whenever she was in town, I'd go to a show and see her, but we never really spoke. I'm I'm the only one in the band that's actually performed with each member. I feel pretty good at that. Sherry Curry was in The Runaways. I got her on the phone. What a great time, mate. Well, you know, it's so funny because I was watching uh, a television program early this morning that dealt with what you just said and uh, the punk movement. And it was the most magical time to grow up in music because you had Elton John, David Bowie, Alice Cooper, you know, who were the true Susie Quattro. But, I mean, the guys were really into the theatrics of it. You were one of the first people to sort of adopt that iconic David Bowie, you know, the lightning flash across the face, which, of course, after he died, everybody was putting that on their face. How did you feel when you found out about Bowie? Because I know you were a huge fan. Oh, my goodness. It was it was a shock. And I happened to have been at home with the, a very bad case of the flu. Yeah. And I had like 103 and a half fever when I got the text that he had died. I think, honestly, if I hadn't have been so physically ill, you know, with such a raging fever, I think I probably would have just fallen apart. And I still can't believe he's gone. I honestly can't. He had that kind of impact, not only on me, but on just millions and millions of people still to this day. The young people that have the opportunity to know his music and what he did for generations. One of a kind performer and writer. He was just unbelievable and amazing. Well, I'd like you to come in if you could when you get to Australia. I'll give people the tour details as well. It'd be fantastic if you could come in on the show as well. I would love to. And please talk to John and David and we'll set that up. Thank you so much for your time as well. It was an absolute pleasure. You are a pleasure, Phil, and I will see you when I get there. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Mick was just on the phone. He did a really bad impression of my accent. Really? I'm not from London.
Apparently, he thought you were from the movie Snatch. Yeah. We want the caravan. We got a caravan for the, for, the, for the dog. I haven't seen it. Have you not? You've never seen Snatch? No. Oh, have a look at yourself. Why, Why not? I don't know. I just what, what is it? With Brad Pitt, Guy no. Ritchie film. No, oh, I don't know. somebody please ring up Sammy oh, X no. now. This is um, that One, triple, Dogs three. in Space thing all no, over No, it's again. not Dogs in Space. This is like that, but you need to be taught a lesson. One triple three five three. Could somebody please ring Sammy X up and talk to her about the brilliance of the movie Snatch with Brad Pitt? But only if they talk to me in a Cockney accent. No, it wasn't even that. It was you might have a caravan. Oh, so they don't even they're not yeah. even from London. Bit, someone will ring you. Don't worry. Jess is on the phone from Tequila Mockingbird, and the album's coming out. Fight and Flight. It is, that's the one. Is I Smell Rock and Roll on there? It sure is, that's track one. We're bringing it in with a kick. Brilliant. Of course, Money Tree as well. <laughs> yep, that's in there. Right. So we've got a couple of tracks from the first EP that we did, um, but then we've got a whole heap of new ones too. Fantastic. So. You've had a good 12 months, haven't you? And we've had a bloody good 12 months. <laughs> What would be the highlight? Because you had the baby animals, Super Jesus, Thirsty Merc stuff as well, and 12 Foot Ninja. What was the highlight of the whole thing? I don't know. There's been so many highlights. I mean, we went to the Middle East last year and performed for the troops there, yeah. uh, you know, playing with Thirsty Merc. You know, the baby animals, all of our heroes last year. It's been incredible. How's the fragrance going? The fragrance has the aroma of that fragrance left your. Uh, no, it's still here. Yet. Yeah, it's still here. Whenever <laughs> still I get lingering. back from the gym, I just spray a bit in my gym bag. I tell you, it's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. We're thinking now we might release car air fresheners because it's got one of those scents that kind of sticks around. Of course. Well, people need to smell rock and roll, right? That's it at all times. And maybe, you know, whilst they're driving along in their car, they can put on the album and they have a whiff of I smell rock and roll. That's it. Why did you call the album Fight and Flight or does it have no significance anyway? A bit of a representation of the light and shade that we've tried to put through the album. We thought it was a bit symbolic of position right now in the industry. You know, you've got to fight all the time in, in terms of putting your name out there and, and, you know, getting on the road and getting out to see as many people as possible. But also, you know, hopefully this is the uh, launch pad for our careers. So. Of course, you're going to be touring with Richie Ramone. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we've been asked to open for his show uh, at Newtown Social Club in Sydney, Saturday the 30th of April. We were setting up for a gig one time and the song Somebody Put Something In My Drink uh, came on. We started having a laugh because we've been gigging non-stop and we were saying, you know, someone's put something in our drink. And uh, <laughs> so we recorded cover of it and uh, that's on the album too. And uh, his management got hold of it, had a listen, and, you know, now we're opening the show. He's punk royalty, man. And, like, he is... I know, you know, I know. Wow, you've just got to sit him down and get some stories out of him while you're at it. Yeah, that's going to be a big night. Did you get many people ringing you up telling you to watch the movie Snatch 2, by the way? Yes, did you not see the phone lines? Did anybody get you to try and do the Brad Pitt accent in the movie Snatch? No. You've got to watch it. Can you get back to us on Monday going, My mother wants a caravan! Oh yeah, hi, it's Phil here at Triple M. You have the talking Justin Bieber doll there, don't you? Yes, yes, we do. I bought one for my kid, um, right. expecting it to sing the Justin Bieber songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, all baby, baby, don't mean maybe, maybe, or whatever it's supposed to sing. Yeah. Um, but when you press the voice box, I'm getting something entirely different. Can I show you? I'll just pick it up over here. Now, have a listen to it. So, you know, it's supposed to say, baby, baby, don't mean maybe, maybe, or whatever his songs are. Yeah, But yeah. W- when you press the button, this have a listen to this. Listen here, you little brat. I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, my. 
that's not, that can't be that's right. That's not supposed that to be right, is it? I mean, have no. a listen to this. This is not a Justin Bieber song. I'm sure about it. Uh, I'm going to give you gonorrhea. That's definitely not right. Are you sure you're pressing the, the button on the doll? Yeah, it's the, you press the back of the Justin Bieber doll. And, um, you know, as I said, I'm expecting, yeah, baby, baby, maybe, maybe. And I'm getting this. I smoke crack. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way the Justin Bieber doll. Yeah, hey. no, listen. What the hell is that? Really, if you could just bring that back in, we'll pop it straight away for another I mean, one. Would it be possible that... I'm just trying to think, maybe they got the wrong voice box when they packaged it. I mean, listen to this. I'm going to shoot you now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is that one of his songs, Die, Die? Oh, no, it's awful. If I bring it back in, I mean, can I... You oh. smell like a camel's oh. ass. Oh, I can't stop it now. This is not a, a Justin Bieber song, this one. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's not. All right, well, I'll, I'll drop it back in then. And uh, and what songs do Justin Bieber sing? Do you, do you know? Oh, that Baby Baby song. A baby Baby, uh-huh. Maybe Maybe. Yeah, it's not... Like, no, it's not that. No, it's definitely not that. All right, well, I thank you so much. Uh, I'll drop it back in. Absolutely. <clears throat> Ugly Phil. You're just doing this for the fun of it. The Rubber Room. I don't know why Batman is fighting Spider-Man, but do you think... The winner will fight Alien or Predator? I think it's Superman. Oh, is it Superman? I don't know. No, I think you're right. Batman's fighting Superman. That sounds more like it. Right, and which one's sad Ben Affleck? Is he Batman? Uh, Yeah, he's Batman. Right, okay. You going to see it? Uh, No. Do you know what they're fighting about? Ben Affleck's lovely chin. You think Batman, with all of his knowledge, would just go, all right, I'll go get me some kryptonite, end of the film. Jobs you, are done. You would think, yeah. Yeah. And what's Batman's foibles? How do you kill Batman? Bats? No, bats are his friend. Oh, I don't know. That's why he flies with them and has a bat insignia. I'm not good at this film thing, am I? No. Does anybody know how you kill Batman? Because, I mean, Kryptonite, Superman, gone. Spider-Man, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Kryptonite. Yeah, well, no. Did you know, if anybody can help, by the way, how do you kill Batman? I mean, I don't want to just put it out there, go out the front door, and, you know, there's Ben Affleck when I get out of the building. What are you trying to do? (laughs) However, get this right. Did you know that in Japan, they have Spider-Man, but the theme to Spider-Man in Japan isn't Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Do you want to hear the Japanese version of Spider-Man? Yeah. Of course you do. I always find it amazing that, you know, like, in the Japanese language, and you see this sometimes when they do TV, they speak half in English and half in Japanese. That's really confusing, isn't it? Unless there's just no Japanese for the word Spider-Man. That would make sense. And I guess because it's a name. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's the Japanese Spider-Man. But we still have the question, how can Batman die? No calls yet. No, unless he just dies normally, just like a normal person. Like a normal bat. Like a bat. Thanks for all the calls too, by the way. Especially when the question is, how can Batman be killed? Unlike Superman with kryptonite.
Jack? I reckon the power lines would do a pretty good job of it. Well, that's if he flies into them. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Or does he have any kind of, like, radioactive suit that stops him getting burnt by electrical wires? Uh, I I, I couldn't work that out. The only thing I could come up with was the power line. It's a good theory. I like it. Thanks, Jack. Danielle? Yes, ugly feel. Can you answer (laughs) the question? I can. He's human. You you can kill him like any other human. There's nothing special about it. Really? Yeah, but he's just got all this awesome armour. So, you know, that's why he doesn't get killed. Right. I wonder if there was something that kills bats that would kill Batman. You know, like how they try to get bats out of the park late at night because they don't want. Yeah, maybe a sonar or really loud music or something. (laughs) Really loud music, like Led Zeppelin or something? That's it, maybe. Who knows? Alex! I can tell you that you can kill Batman with a bullet, just like his parents. Just like a normal... Like his dad died, yeah. Did you ever dance with the devil in the light of the pale moon? Craig, what can you tell me? Grass is green, sky is blue, and you can kill Batman by taking his trust, Bruce Wayne's trust fund away from him. That's a good point. It didn't rhyme, but I thought, you know, it would still be a nice Valentine's Day card, unless, of course, you're Batman. Look, I'd turn gay for him. Gay for a superhero. There's a topic. Hey, Chris, do you know? Yeah, I reckon you use Robin, because nobody likes a resentful sidekick. He was accused oh. of being a, a lover in rubber. Thank you for mentioning lover in rubber. <laughs> I did love that one. What can you tell me, Con? Yeah, I reckon a couple of um, electrical wires between telegraph poles will do the Yeah, somebody said that as well. Poor old (laughs) Batman just lying in bed right now going, that's the last time I'm paying my electricity bill. (laughs) You may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! The Rubber Room.